Praise the Lord. I'm going to start with my testimony today. Um, and the way I describe it is, uh, is this way. Every, every testimony has a tomb, but not every tomb has a testimony. My testimony had a tomb. Uh, back in 2006, I want to start with this verse. John 19, 41 through 42 says this, the place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. You see, a tomb is a place of pending testimony, but it really depends on what happened uh, to the person before they went in the tomb. It's who you were and what you believed before you were placed in the situation. Before death came knocking. Before the situation, the overwhelming situation came to your life, who were you before that? So in 2006, which I can't believe was 15 years ago, I began experiencing some, some different signs and symptoms. I was uh, gaining weight rapidly, rapidly, had a lot of lower back pain, had some major headaches and uh, I went to the doctor and they gave me some medication for hypertension. They said that's what's happening to you. You, you just have high blood pressure. Here's some medicine and a, and a blood pressure cuff and uh, you'll be fine. Fast forward to 2009. The symptoms begin to get worse. So I begin to get sick. Uh, first starting uh, monthly, then weekly, then almost daily, I would have to go to the bathroom if I could make it to the bathroom to throw up. So at the beginning of my shift each day, I would have to go to Speedway. I was working for the sheriff's office. I was working third shift for the sheriff's office, and then in the morning I would go on to Rhodes College to work four more hours. But before my shift began, I'd have to go to Speedway, not to get a pop that big, but to get an empty cup. Because at some point as I was driving through the night, I would have to get sick in that cup and there'd be no time to pull over and get, and get sick. I'd just have to grab my mouthwash and, and swish and rinse and just keep on moving. So 2010 comes around and during that time, I did go to the doctor at the urging of my wife and I went to a gastro doctor, so they scoped me. And they said, Damien, here's why you're throwing up all the time. You've got ulcers. So they gave me medication for ulcers, but I didn't get any better. 2010, nothing's changed. And then I began experiencing tremors. I sat in the doctor's office, and my hands were just shaking like this uncontrollably, and I couldn't stop them. And she looked at me, the doctor there, and she said, listen, we've got to get you some blood work. We're going to send you to the lab right away. So I went to the lab, and after the lab, I went on to work. And they contacted me that next day and told me that I need to go to the hospital right away because of what they saw in my blood work. So a normal creatinine level, creatinine is the level that they can tell how well your kidneys are functioning okay so a normal creatinine level is between 0.4 and 1.2 that means that your kid your kidneys are filtering toxins out of your body and you're healthy but mine 
shown in the next slide, my creatinine was 23.6. So not only was I sick, I was dying. And the only way that my body was releasing toxins was when I would vomit. Because when I used the restroom, it didn't even matter because nothing bad was leaving my body. I was toxic and I was dying. So that night in the hospital, St. Rita's 5K, I believe, nothing like trouble will make you pray. I prayed all night long. And my belief was that the next morning, the doctors would come into the room and say, Damien, we've made a terrible mistake. We got your chart mixed up with this guy's chart. Don't sue us. We're sorry. But that's not what happened at all. I began to pray and really believe God for that miracle, but that's not what occurred. And the next morning, the doctor came into my room. And it's Dr. Yukiwi. He's currently practicing now, a nephrologist. And he said, Damien, we're going to have to start dialysis on you right away. And you need to decide if you want a permanent fistula in your arm or a temporary implant in your stomach. He said, you'll be headed to surgery soon so a, cord can be, a port can be inserted and we will begin dialysis. So they rolled me up to dialysis and that's when I lost it. That's when it was real to me. My wife was pregnant with our middle son at the time and God hadn't heard my prayer. He didn't even talk to me the whole time I was going through this ordeal. And four hours of chemotherapy and that's when it got real to me when they hooked me up to the machines and they begin to filter all the blood out of my body I'm like God where are you because I'm dying here I'm not just sick I'm dying this is a tomb I'm in I can't help myself I can't fix me God where are you I began to look at it like punishment like God what did I do? How do I deserve this? So God said nothing. And then they roll me back to my room. Back down to 5K. I'm there all alone. And then God finally speaks to me. And he says, Damien, my grace is sufficient. Now, you guys are getting excited about that, but that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, rise up and walk. I wanted to come out of the tomb right then and right there. I did not want to experience this tomb. But he didn't say rise up and walk. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. So what that meant to me was this. I was going to have to stay in this tomb. I was going to have to walk with death, but I would not walk alone. So, here's a picture of me at the time and just so despondent, so dejected. I was a Christian, husband, police officer. God, why are you doing this? Why am I in this tomb? What are you doing to me? Why are you punishing me? So I was void of joy, 
but still there was a, a small glimmer of hope. Then comes 2011. I'm doing dialysis at home. I'm hooking up to a machine every night so I don't have to go to dialysis during the week. And then all of a sudden, one day, there was a loud crash on the ground and my wife comes running upstairs to find me on the bedroom floor. And I had, I don't even remember waking up. I don't remember hitting the floor, but she runs upstairs and finds me with my eyes rolling back in the back of my head and I'm moaning. And at that time I had urinated on myself and I was bleeding out of my mouth because I had bit my tongue. And she tells me that she called 911 as she kneeled over me and she began praying in the spirit. And I, and I know the operators were thinking, what language is this lady talking? But this is the Tibbs residence. So they began sending paramedics and the ambulance there. And some of my deputy friends showed up at the house. So I was beginning to have these grandma seizures. When they got me to the hospital, it took seven hospital workers to pin me down to the bed because my seizures were that strong. My mother said that the, the sounds that were coming out of that hospital room were just so disturbing because I was in there fighting for my life. I was in a tomb. I could not help myself. If there had been ICU rooms available, I would have been there. They almost had to incubate me, but probably because there was no rooms available, they did not. I remember at one time coming through and looking around the room at the clock, and then my vision leaving me, and I told her, I'm blind, I can't see. So my vision's now gone as well. There was a co-worker that visited me in the hospital. His name was Ron Rento. He's a, he's a uh, retired deputy sheriff. He's seen a lot of war. He's a soldier as well. He walked in my room and looked at me when I was in my tomb and I was out of it. Didn't even know he came. And he said, he looked at me and said this. He said, I've seen a lot of people die, Damien. You looked pretty bad. And I was positive it was the last time I'd see you alive. Now, this man has seen many people die. And that was his testimony about me while I was in my tomb. My wife told me that my head was shaped like a football. Don't say that it still is, because I don't think it is. I don't know what that came from, but she said my head was misshaped, and I was just a total, total mess. But then a glimmer of hope arrived as I was approved for a transplant. And my brother, Carlos Tibbs, called me one day. And he said, Damien, man, he said, I want to be tested. You can go to the next slide. He said, man, I want to be tested to see if we're a match. And I thought to myself, this greedy dude who would eat a whole pizza in front of me and not give me one piece is calling to offer me a body part. I'm like, no, I don't even believe. He's like, no, man, I'm serious. I want to be tested. And if we're matched, I want to give you a kidney. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So my brother Carlos risked his life to save mine. He sacrificed a part of himself so that I could live. You see, Carlos didn't go from Las Vegas to Cleveland Clinic because he was sick, but because I was sick. Jesus didn't leave heaven to come to earth to save himself, but to save us. My brother wasn't cut open to have a kidney removed for his own good, but for mine. Jesus wasn't beat with 39 lashes for his sickness, but so that we could be healed. The doctor removed Carlos's kidney and he put it inside me so that I could live. God put all of our sins on Jesus and he died for them so he could give us salvation so that we could live. My blood type is O negative and Carlos had to be a perfect match to save my life. The blood of Jesus Christ was sinless and had to be in order to save the sinful. How many of you this morning are thankful that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross was for you? At this time, I'm going to have Addison Lewis come and she's going to sing a song entitled, Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. Let's give her a hand.
Praise the Lord. Let's give Addison another hand. That was beautiful. title of today's message is From Death to Life Through Christ. And every single one of us was born into sin. So even though we survived our mother's wombs, it was still a tomb. Because we were born into sin and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are alive. And you are not alive until then. How many of you are so glad that you have made Jesus Christ your Savior today? Amen. And I was thinking about that this morning. Like, you know what? This Resurrection Sunday is so much better than Christmas. The world won't tell you so, and we don't act like it most times, but it's so much better than Christmas because, yes, Jesus was born, but him being born didn't save me. It's when he died and rose from the dead that I have salvation through that act. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And I'm not going to, you know what, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to preach. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, I didn't know my brother Carlos loved me that much. Now, I know that he loved me, but that much is a whole nother level. To be willing to put your life on the line to save your little brother says a lot about your love. And if you didn't catch it, I just told you that God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. What's this mean? Verse 7 kind of explains one of the reasons why he did it. 2,021 years later, people are still getting saved. 2,021 years later, people are still being filled with the joy of the Lord. People's record of wrong are still being removed. People are still being transferred from a death sentence to a life sentence because of their belief in what Jesus did for them. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when? When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I hear people say it all the time. I'll come to church once I clean my life up. 
I'll come to God once I get my act together and clean something. You can't clean yourself up. It's impossible. So God has done that for us through Jesus Christ, and he's given us a gift. Jesus is a gift. His life is a gift. We could not earn it. It's just because of God's grace and love towards us, we have been saved. Now, the atheist and the agnostic would say, if your God is so real and so loving, why would he send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. He gives them a choice. He gives them a gift. And that gift is Jesus Christ. And if you believe on him, you will be saved. Nobody goes to heaven by accident. And nobody goes to hell because the only reason people go to hell is because they have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. That's it. Thank you for that. Amen, sister. Let's continue. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So listen, I could not have called Carlos Tibbs on the phone and say, hey, buddy, I'm dying, and I've been such a good brother, I need you to save my life by giving me a kidney. That's not how it happened. He called me first. So the Bible tells you this about God's love, that he looked for you first, that he loved you first. So before you even recognize that you were a sinner and in need of God's grace, he came to you first. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, some of you that know about this salvation and you expected to hear a salvation message this morning, but here's the weight of the message for you. Are you telling people that Jesus saves? So it's not good enough to just say, oh, here we go again, a salvation message on Resurrection Sunday. But have you been fulfilling the ministry that God has called you to? Because verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Church, say this with me. I am a minister. A minister is one who proclaims. A minister is one that has a message. And if Jesus Christ saved you, you have a message. And the message that you have is that Jesus saves people from their sins come to God. That's how we know that we are fulfilling our eternal purpose is when we're actively pursuing uh, the assignment or assignment that God has given us. Let's move on to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 21. This tells you a little bit about that ministry I told you about. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. So my testimony about the kidney transplant is how differently I know him now. He said that his grace was sufficient for me, that in my weakness his strength would be made perfect. And now I know him better than I ever knew him before. Because I met Jesus in the tomb and he walked me out of it, I now know him in a way that I have never known 
before. How many of you today have a testimony that God has brought you through some things, and because of that thing, you know God more now than you ever did before? It's one thing to know the Jesus of the Bible, but it's a whole other thing to know the Jesus of your life, the one that personally saved you, the one that personally healed you. When you have a personal testimony, you are able to pronounce that for the glory of God. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. It's only because of Jesus Christ that I can stand before you today with this microphone. I'm not the pastor of this church because the former pastor was my father. I'm only the pastor of this church because God ordained it, because I gave my life to him, okay? I've been arrested for DUI. I've put people in jail for things I've done. I've been a sinner and a liar and a fornicator and a cheater and an adulterer, and I was headed straight for hell. But God, because of his rich mercy and love towards me, was willing to forgive me of all of my sins and even give me a holy purpose, such as a preacher. So listen, just because you have committed sins doesn't mean that that disqualifies you from the love of God. It's the very reason he died for you is because you were sinners and he desired to have you close. Now, Jesus Christ did not come to give us a religion, but a relationship with him. And he is sweet, I know. The word of God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he is good. And we praise God that his righteousness and his faithfulness towards us is brand new every single morning. Let's continue now. Now, verse 20, uh, I'm sorry, verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, so we have a responsibility. Heaven is watching. One day you'll stand before God and he'll want to know, did you do what I asked you to do while you were on the earth? And that ministry that he's given us, or that task, is of reconciliation. Uh, we reconcile people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So what does it mean to be reconciled? It means that I and you were you and I, for the teachers in the house, you don't say I and you, you say you and I, all right? We were guilty of sins. And to be guilty of sins means that if we die in our sin, that we are hellbound. Our souls are lost for all of eternity. But God reconciled us back to himself by coming as a man named Jesus. Does anybody believe this story I'm telling? By coming back as a man named Jesus Christ, God lived in Jesus Christ in the flesh, and he died for our sins that we might be saved. That's great news. I mean, that's the best news going right now. I don't care if you watch Fox all day or MSNBC or CNN all day, you're not going to hear news this good that you were guilty of sins, but by faith in Jesus Christ, you can be reconciled. Say reconciled. Reconciled means all, let me give you an example. If your credit is 325 and I say, I'm going to reconcile your credit and you give me permission to reconcile your credit and in an instant your credit is 800, say reconciled. 
That's what it means to be reconciled. Your credit was in the gutter, all right? Our souls were in the gutter because our sins were sinking us, and we can't appear before God in sin. He will have nothing to do with us, but he reconciled all of my sins. Every single sin that I have ever committed, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed me clean. And if that has happened for you, you... So if Jesus has a perfect credit score, so do you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whatever his credit score is, if he reconciles you, then you have his credit score now. If God or if Jesus Christ is sinless and the sinless one wipes away your sin, that means you're just as clean as he is. He says, let me reconcile you back to my father. Let me wipe away all of your sins so that you can appear before my father. That's what it means to be reconciled. And listen, that's the ministry that you all have to take to this world. And for for $9.99, you can use my example of credit score when you preach that. And just send it to my PayPal. No, I'm just kidding. But that's the ministry of reconciliation. Our credit score was low. Our sin was, was sending us to hell, but God forgave us through Jesus Christ and has reconciled us back to himself. So, so verse 20 tells us what we're supposed to be doing about it. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right. That's what reconciled means, to be made right with God through Christ. Let's give God praise for that. Come on, let's give him Christmas praise. Because check this out. There isn't, you can go to the three major cemeteries in Lima, and there's not one Christmas present out there. Out of all the Christmas presents they ever got, none of them go with them. Okay? But this present I'm talking about on Resurrection Sunday, this is a present that will go with you. This is a present that you can use, okay? So when we celebrate reconciliation, that's what we're celebrating, that God has saved us. We're in Romans 5, now beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made made right in God's sight by faith, that's reconciled, we've been made right by faith, we have peace. Can you say peace? The last thing, the, the Bible says this, You do not want to fall into the hands of an angry God. All right? God is angry with sinners every single day, the Bible says. But we are in the age of grace right now because it's not his desire that any of us should perish, but we should all come to life. So through our faith in Jesus Christ, we now have peace with God. What does peace mean? That we have been set apart we have been saved from his wrath and now we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us because of our faith Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory 
We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, for he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. In verse 3, it says we can rejoice about our problems and trials now. You see, after going through my kidney transplant ordeal, after going through that tomb, after having been delivered from that mountain, every situation I come across now is just a molehill. I know something now. You see, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and I did not have to fear any evil because God was with me. He said his grace would be sufficient. So church, I'm trying to tell you this in the midst of a pandemic that God is stronger than COVID still. That Christ is alive. Listen, listen to this. Even if COVID had killed Jesus, which it didn't, he still would have rose from the grave. Do you know why? Because he's got all power over death and he's full of life. Can I tell you something? Even if you die from COVID, you will still rise from the grave. Why? Because you have been given all power over death through Jesus Christ. So while we do celebrate today the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, baby, you're going to do it too if your faith is in Christ. He was just the firstborn of the dead. There will be a another day where cemeteries will rattle and shake and the earth will be moved and those who have died in Christ will go on to live with him forever. Man, this is good news. I'm preaching myself happy. Praise the Lord. Let's go on to verse 6 now. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Remember, I told you you have peace with God now. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So I tell you this here today. If there are any of you that don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your sins, you just feel a conviction uh, of your sins on you right now. Don't let those sins separate you from God. There is a Savior named Jesus Christ who died for those sins that you carry so that you might have peace with God. I told you that we were all born into sin. Listen to this, and I've only got a few more passages left. Verse 12. 
When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And as a result of God's gracious gift, it is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater, say even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one disobeyed God, many became sinners. And because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So listen, you are so blessed to be alive today. You are so blessed to not be buried in your sin. So the fact that you have oxygen in your body and you have a heartbeat right now and your soul is still connected to your body means that you are in God's grace right now. That means that you've been given the opportunity, one more chance to make Jesus your Lord. Every day is one more chance to say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. When I was young, I thought I had forever to live. I was so stupid. You can't call me that, but I can. I thought about, my, my prayer was this. I, I thought I'd live life like this, like uh, the, the deathbed prayer. Like when I'm an old, 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 old man, I'll just pray and ask God to forgive me of my sins then. But that's just like jumping out of an airplane with a backpack on and not even understanding that in that backpack is no parachute. That you just jumped and you had hope that in the, at the last minute that you might be saved. That's a reckless way to live because you don't know when your last day on this earth is. 
So what a beautiful day it would be if today was the day where you said, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord today. Jesus, I would like you to forgive me of all of my sins today. I've heard what the preacher said. He said that if I believe on you, that I will be saved. And that's what I want for me. All right. Romans 10 verses 5 through 13 say this. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let me say this again. You don't have to try to, you, you hear people say, you know, oh, this person lives such a good life. I know they're in heaven now. They were just such a good person. But the Bible says that it's not our goodness that saves us. It doesn't matter how many rewards you receive or how many tours of duty you've done. It doesn't matter if you've donated millions of dollars to have a library built or if you fed orphans all around the world. All the goodness ever performed on this earth by people would not amount to one drop of the precious blood of Jesus Christ because he was the only one that was sinless. And when we believe on what Jesus has done for us, the Bible says that we will be saved. So what must we do? We must openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tells us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's stand to our feet this morning. to pray a prayer of salvation and I'm going to ask those who want to be saved to follow along with this prayer with me but before you pray this prayer there's some things that you have to believe number one you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God number two you have to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived in the flesh the next thing you have to believe is that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a savior, that you can't save yourself. Because if you are still in sin, you're still in a tomb. And if you die in that tomb, a rock will be rolled in front of it, and your soul's condition will remain that way for all of eternity until the judgment. But right now, the tomb door is open if you don't know Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he stands outside the door and he knocks. 
and he's knocking on your hearts this morning saying, listen, I want to save you. Please believe this man that I have set before you. Believe that he's telling you the truth about me. Believe that I am the son of God. Believe that I did come to this earth to save you. Believe that you are a sinner in need of a savior. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was taken to Calvary and he was hung there on a cross. And he died for our sins. Anyone ever sinned in this place? Let me see your hands. If you've ever sinned one time in your whole life. So it wasn't, it wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the Roman soldiers that put Jesus on that cross. It was everybody that raised their hands. He died for our sins. But we don't have to keep them. If we will believe on him, we will be saved. So if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and then three days later, that's what this party is about today. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Three days dead, and he rose. And he did it because he loves us. And Jesus is here this morning with a gift of salvation for all who would believe. Would you please bow your heads? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your Holy Spirit would lead someone here today, if not many, to say, today is the day where I celebrate the rising of Jesus Christ with my future being in him as well. Today is the day where I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I confess him as Lord. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this place you desire to save God or desires to rededicate their lives to you, that you would do that this morning in Jesus' name.